And I wonder if we can clap our hands to the Lord all over this place. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the Lord this morning? For what he's doing here in this place, for what he's doing in your life and in your hearts, transforming us by the renewing of our minds. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So thankful that you all are here with me this morning. Uh, Be in prayer for Bishop Powell this morning. He is currently at the Sanctuary Apostolic Church in Bellevue, preaching for Pastor Johnson and the wonderful church down there. So be in prayer for him, and we love you, Bishop. I know you'll tune in later, and we are praying for you in Jesus' name. My first scripture for this morning can be found in the book of 1 John chapter 4. And as you're turning there in your Bibles, why don't we stand for the reading of the word if you're able to this morning. 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he is God, He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. And for our time together during our first word as the Lord leads, I want to teach and preach on the subject of agape, pure love. Agape, pure love. And as you're closing your Bibles and taking your seats, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for each opportunity that we have provided to us each day each moment, to get into your word, to study your word, to show ourselves approved by your word. Lord, as we continue on this morning, may we take captive every thought that we have and bring them all into your obedience. Let us continue to be hearers and doers of your word. Lord, let every word that I speak be that of which you desire for your church. I desire to be a vessel for you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your truth in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated if you're not already. For decades upon decades, and yes, centuries upon centuries, love 
has been one of the topics that many have attempted to portray with a song or through a song. There are a lot of love songs out there. There's a wide variety of love songs out there. And by wide variety, I mean some are okay. There are some Christian couples that have used certain love songs at their weddings or or showers or what have you. Some Christian artists have written love songs, not love songs about God, but love songs that have included God as being at the center of that bond, of that marriage, and more. On the other side of the token, there are some love songs, using the word very loosely, that I would not recommend to anyone, to the point that I haven't listened to them myself. These are the ones that I have heard as I'm, as I'm walking through the aisles at Walmart, and, and, and I hear the song playing, and I'm like, what did that just say? Am I hearing that correctly? You all know what I'm talking about, right? You get what I'm saying. If you've ever heard the song, What the World Needs Now is Love, by Bert, I won't try to pronounce his last name, and Hal David, the song identifies love as the only thing that there's just too little of. And though the song may be true, many people struggle to know what true love is. Serious students of Scripture know because the Bible reveals in what we just read that God is love. God is love. Few people comprehend the essence of true love, but many have corrupted love and propagated a warped and twisted idea of what love is. These same individuals promote a kind of perverted love that seeks self-fulfillment. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote to them about love or charity. And what we read is chapter 13, beginning with verse 4. Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeks not our own, and is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in what? The truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. In short, true and genuine love is pure. Equipped with the knowledge that God is love and His love is pure, we have a great responsibility. Everybody point to themselves and say, I have a great responsibility. I have a great responsibility to endeavor to spread the knowledge of God wherever I can to this world. It is a matter of carrying the true message of pure love to all mankind. In the scriptures, we can discover many qualities, many names, and many attributes of God. For example, the Bible reveals that God is light. See 1 John 1.5. And God is holy. See 1 Corinthians 3.17. If you ask Bishop about names and attributes of God, he will tell you, he might tell you that, that he's been in search for 
all of the names and attributes of God found in Scripture. He has a long list of them. He has, and as of last night, I texted him just to find out how many names he has. He has found 665 different names and attributes of God. And the list continues to grow. Arguably, or maybe not so much, perhaps none of the attributes, while they are all of God, are more powerful and impacting upon our lives than, is, than the attribute of His love. Not only is God love, but He also exercises His love toward humanity. It is rare in our world that a person willingly and sacrificially loses his life in the act of protecting or rescuing another individual. Occasionally we hear of such, a, of such heroic acts. When one endeavors to save a life of another, we see that come across the news screen sometimes, but, but such an action is basically counter or, or countered to the uh, innate, innate survival instinct of humans. Consequently, we view such individuals as heroes in their efforts to save and rescue others. But in the case of Jesus Christ, he died for us when we had nothing to offer him. He died for me when I chose not to live for him some many years ago. He died for me when I made those foolish choices. He died for you. He died for us when we had nothing to offer him. And certainly when we did not deserve any intervention. And I love how Paul observed these truths in his letter to Rome. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse number 7, he says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus says in John 15, verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever, I command you. And in turning back to the book of 1 John, or turning forward if you will, John writes in chapter 3, verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Try as you may, one cannot deny the demonstrated love of God for humanity. Argue as you may. One cannot deny this love that God has for humanity. People might say that they've never felt or experienced God's love. They've never felt it within themselves. And they might even testify that, that they have encountered a, a sense of God's disfavor in some passion where, or some fashion where, where he's not pleased with something and, and he lets you know. Anyone ever been there? Where he might have done something and God's like, nope, 
Don't do that. However, nobody can deny. I want you to get this. Nobody can deny that Jesus Christ's sacrificial death on the cross for the sins of mankind demonstrated a measure of love, otherwise known, unknown throughout history. Church, with this in mind, with this at the very forefront right here, why? Tell me, tell me why or, or how. How can a person refuse the love of God? How, how can a person refuse to return the love of God? Knowing this, knowing that he, he sacrificed himself for us. He paid the ultimate price. How, how can one refuse to return the love of God? And as we read moments ago in 1 John 19, we read, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. You see, there are some people, there are some people who do not love God. Whether they go out right and say it, or they maybe live a certain way. There are some who do not return this demonstrated love. There are some who do not seem to care about Jesus Christ's sacrificial death. To the point that we question, we wander in ourselves, wondering how anyone can be so outwardly calloused how anyone can be so outwardly calloused and, and unaffected by the love of God. You know, I understand and, 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 and I don't want to make light of any situation because everyone has some kind of past hurt or past trauma, yours truly included. And these past traumas, at some point in time... <laughs> You know, I get a little worked up when I talk about it because they try to rear their ugly head. They try to rear their ugly head and say, hey, remember that from 12 years ago? That's still happening. When in reality, I know, I know that I've been born again. I know that I'm living for Jesus. I know that that's no more. I know that I don't have to worry about that any longer. So I know that there are callous. I, I know that there are things that, 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 that try to, to harden our hearts and, and, and make us so maybe we can't receive the love of God. But can I tell somebody here today that, that Jesus can break through that? Jesus wants to soften that. You know, you, the, you, you being the clay and him being the potter, you may have dried up just a little bit. But let his word, let his word begin to soften you again. Let his word begin to open those things up again. You see, God wants to work in the very details of every bit of your lives. He wants to work in the messes as well as the, the good things that are happening over here. You know, there, there's some messes that God has dealt with for me that I wouldn't be standing here today had I not dealt with them. I can't, I can't let them continue to callous over. I can't let them continue to harden. I had to give them to the Lord because if I hadn't, oh, if I hadn't, it, I, could, I could go on. But I, but I digress. We, 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 I now understand 
the love of God. You understand the love of God, and it is no mystery. You've experienced His love. You've experienced His love when, when you're sitting in the dark place, wherever you may be, where, where, where you've got nothing left but Him, and His love continues to step in. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. You, you've been there one time or another where you just felt that at your wit's end, and God's like, I love you. Let me help you. You see, when He helps you, that's His love. When He, when he speaks to you through His Word, that's His love. He, he loves you so much that He's not going to leave you there. Since we know the love of God and we know and we've experienced this, we've experienced His demonstrated love to us, so we then can share that with others. It's not something that we should keep to ourselves. We should never keep His love that, that He gave to us to ourselves. We should never hide it in a box, never to open it up again. No, we should extend that to others. This is how the Lord helped me. He, he loves me. He loves you in such a way that He can help you. <laughs> you're never beyond help. You're never, you're never, you may put yourself on an island, but I know somebody, I can tell you of somebody who, who walks on water, who can still make it to that island that you put yourself on and can pull you out again, can pull you through again. And there may be a lot of islands out there and he may have to skip from one to another, but I'm here to tell you that once he brings you all together so you can build each other up again, you can say, ah, he brought me out from this. He can bring you out too. He, he loved me so much that he didn't leave me where I was. He got my attention in such a way that I had no choice but to turn to him. I could not turn any other way. You know, we see, we see Paul on the road to Damascus and how the Lord showed him love. It was a blinding light, but Jesus loved him so much. And he's like, I've got to get a hold of him now. I've got to get a hold of him now. There are great things planned for Paul. You see, the Lord wouldn't have gotten a hold of you some time ago if he hadn't if he didn't love you. If he didn't love you, if he didn't care for you, if he, if he didn't want to know you, if he didn't want to be with you, he doesn't want to see any perish. He wants to see all come to repentance. He wants to see you one day. He wants to say to you, well done, a good and faithful servant. He wants to show you his love, his love that, that is the only pure love, his love that is the only agape We demonstrate this love that we have to others. How? By our dedicated service to the Lord. I touched on it moments ago. I love the Lord, therefore I do this. I love the Lord, therefore I don't do this. I love Him because He first loved me. He pulled me from my pit of despair. He gave his life for me. What more can I do in return? What more can I do in return? I love the Lord. It is the only reasonable service, the, the only reasonable action for me to dedicate myself to him when I think about his devoted love for me. Amen? 
Continuing on, our love is made perfect. Our love is made perfect. Someone say perfect. But how? We'll go back to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Love is a wonderful quality. In fact, it's one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. Expressions of true love toward others are normally received and welcomed. That same the same love or the same expression or receipt when a person understands and experiences the love of Christ, the same should be true for that. We should receive that just as openly as we receive love from others. In fact, if not more. However, love is, is deeper when a believer is filled with the Holy Ghost. It's deeper. It, 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 it's, it, it's beyond comprehension, but, but it's deeper. When one is filled with the Holy Ghost. We we may not ever fully comprehend how this works within the believer. But the word assures us that his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hallelujah. The result of God's love affecting and influencing the hearts of believers is that their love is perfected. That is, it becomes pure love delivered by the Holy Ghost. As a result, spirit-filled believers do not fear judgment. Why? But instead experience bold confidence because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a confidence that comes over a person when they receive His Spirit that fear casts out perfect love, casts out fear. When His Spirit dwells in us, we're given this new confidence to say, ha, I'm not going to fear this. I'm not going to fear that. Well, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hallelujah. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we are filled with the Spirit of God and His love, which produces His righteousness in us. Our, righteous, our righteousness is like filthy rags. But His righteousness within us is pure and holy. In Philippians 1, verse 11, Paul writes, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. In 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul writes again, Flee also youthful lust, but, also, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. His righteousness produces spiritual fruit within our lives. And among those characteristics produced within us by the righteousness of Christ is a pure heart, with right motives, and the desire to express His love to others without intimidation. You see, His love frees us of fear. Verse 18 of 1 John 4 tells us, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Sometimes I read that, and it's just one of those things that pops me right between the forehead because I'm like, oh, I may have had a fear over here the other day. I may have walked in the work, walked into work three or four months ago thinking, I'm not sure I'm going to walk out of here with a job today. When all the while, I understand that he takes care of the lilies of the field. 
you know, he takes care of all these things. Well, who, who am I to think that he's not going to take care of me? <laughs> and I tell you what, when, when, I, when I think about that, I'm just overcome. I'm like, you're right. Yeah, I, I, I can't fear that. I can't, I can't dwell on that because that's an unknown thing. That's an, that's an unrealistic, uh, might not be an unrealistic, but, but that's something I, I really can't control. What I can control is that perfect love that casts out fear saying, yeah, it's all in his hands no matter what happens. No matter what I go through. No matter who says that or, or who says this or, or whatever I may be experiencing. His perfect love casts out fear. Now that doesn't mean that we never experience caution. We don't, we're, we're never doesn't mean we're never cautious or, or we don't have any concerns over situations in life or, or that we are reckless or careless in our lifestyles. That, that's not what that means. It means that we are not haunted. It means that we are not controlled. Oh, it means that we are not terrorized by immobilizing irrational fears. You see, Satan attempts to plant fear in us to limit our effectiveness and to torment us. But the perfect love of God subdues and dominates human fear, hmm. casting it out along with the torment that it produces. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out torment. Perfect love casts out everything that is not of Him. And with a heart absent of fear, the love of Christ within us frees us to express His love and goodness to others who have yet to experience salvation. We become aligned with the pure and holy mission of Christ in this world to be witnesses for Him and to reach others with the saving message of His gospel. You may be shy. You may be outgoing. You may be timid. timid. You, you may be outspoken. Regardless of where you find yourself in this all will experience boldness and freedom, and oh, what freedom to share that love of Jesus. Oh, that there would be a desire that rises up within every spirit-filled person in this place to want others to have that same opportunity and enjoy His redemption. Finally, love motivates. 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul writes, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. You see, the pure love of Jesus Christ becomes a force of motivation within, within believers. Because He loved us and He saved us, we love Him in return, and we love His message and His mission in spreading that holy love to people everywhere. Without bias. It is the reason that people love to give and to go on missionary excursions. It is the reason believers want to become involved in outreach and evangelism efforts. The love of Jesus has motivated believers to go forth with His message and share Jesus with their world. And when a person receives the Holy Spirit, they become empowered by the pure love of Jesus Christ within. There is a refocusing of His pure love and its influences in our, within our lives. And of these influences, we can see three changes the Spirit brings. They are loving God, loving not the world, and loving one another. And just to walk through these for the next few moments, with loving God, before Peter had the opportunity to receive the Holy Ghost, Jesus quizzed him regarding his measure of love 
for the Lord. Jesus asked Peter three times whether he loved him. He said, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And we might notice the first, the first Jesus, the first time Jesus replied, he replied with, feed my lambs. And the other two, he said, feed my sheep. But, but the more dramatic element of their conversation has to do with the measure of Peter's love for Jesus. You see, the first two times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Which comes from the, the Greek word, that love comes from the Greek word agape, which is to take pleasure in a thing, prize it above other things, unwilling to abandon it or do without it. A love founded in admiration, veneration, and esteem. Jesus was looking for the supreme measure of love, respect, commitment, and devotion. But Peter was only able to respond with a love which was more of a friendly love, one of which was prompted by sense and emotion, one that was prompted by a response. Peter felt to respond with, yes, I love you. And we should not be quick to condemn Peter for his response. However, Peter had denied knowing or being associated with Jesus at all, a denial which Peter wept bitterly after the fact. Peter was eventually filled with the Holy Ghost and preached on the day of Pentecost to those that were questioning what had happened, which resulted in many being added to the church that day, praise God. Interestingly, in Peter's first epistle, in chapter 1, he shamelessly spoke about his commitment and devoted agape love for Jesus Christ. He also spoke of the friendly love for the brethren, as well as his admonition that believers love, agape, one another with a pure heart, fervently. It is only when we are filled with his spirit that we are able to give the highest measure of committed, devoted love, for only then do we have the love, for, or do we love in general, from a pure heart, fervently. When Paul spoke of the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, it is not surprising he used agape, indicating that the love God gives us by his Spirit is the highest level of pure love. In addition to the Holy Spirit empowering us to have a deeply committed pure love, he also motivates us to avoid giving love to the worldly systems of this life. The Spirit teaches us to love people and use things, not use people and love things. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. These things that are in the world consist of the same elements that first tempted Adam and Eve in the beginning in the garden. Eve saw that the tree was good for food. There's the lust of the flesh, that it was pleasant to the eyes. There's the lust of the eyes and that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise which was the pride of life. And in loving God and loving not the world, it is our love for one another that clearly marks us as disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus commanded in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know ye, that ye are my disciples, if ye have love for one another. John further emphasized in 1 John uh, 3, verse 7, writing, Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knows God. 
And then down in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And furthermore, down in verse 20, If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? How can one claim to be a believer and disciple of Jesus Christ if they do not love their fellow believers? I know that there may be times where, you know, we have disagreements among us where things may try to come in and, and, and cause some things to happen. You know, yes, it even happens in the church, but, but don't let it cut so deep that you no longer love that person. I talked about this a little bit on Wednesday night as I, as I went through the Lord's Prayer and specifically the part about forgiving our debts as we forgive our debtors. And thank you, Brother Gabe and Brother Joey. We had a little bit of a discussion last night on that as well. But, but here's the component of love that can sometimes be overlooked. And that is forgiveness. Forgiving one another. The Lord forgives you. So you must extend that same forgiveness to others. You see, church, unforgiveness, unforgiveness, if it's not dealt with, can brew many other terrible things inside of a person. It can brew resentment. It can brew hatred. It can brew malice. It can brew those terrible things. And I know terrible is a harsh word to use, but, but they're not good things. The, the things that stir up inside of a, as a result of unforgiveness can be lethal. It can be very detrimental to a person. It can cause a person to act in such a way around others. It can cause one to grow a lack of trust for others. And that lack of trust can furthermore be directed and pointed to the Lord. I could go on about that more, but just to say, forgiveness is a necessary component of agape love. This love that hopes for the best in my brother. This love that sees the best in my brother. This love that was first given to us. Thank you, Lord. I believe this morning that God wants to restore His pure love in this place today. He wants to restore His pure love in you. He wants to show you more of that. You may have it, but He wants it to go even deeper. You may have not experienced at all, but God wants to give you that today. It is here. His love is, is here for you. He loved us so much. He loves us so much. You see, there, 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 there's nothing that can adequately describe the pure, untainted love of our Heavenly Father. I can't put to words. I could try, but I'd be here for a few hours, and we only have about five more minutes. He loved us so much that, that He took those stripes on His back. He loved us so much that He took those nails in the palms of His hands. He loved us so much that He gave Himself for us that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The Word says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called sons of God. 
How could we ever doubt his pure love? How could we ever doubt it? And if I may just take you back to the story of the the prodigal son. The son, remember, asked his father for his part of the goods that were his. He ran off with what he had. He lived what many would refer to as a very reckless life after that point. He was living it up, and then suddenly he ran out of money, and the Bible says that he began to be in want. He found himself feeding the pigs, and while doing so was thinking, man, that food is looking really good, but I'm feeding to them. Can you imagine what it took to get to that point. He was desperate when he finally came to his senses. One of the most beautiful aspects of this parable is the perspective of the father. (laughs) The father never gave up hope. His son would one day return. Never gave up hope. And when he saw his son coming, the father ran to his son. Son! I've been waiting for you. I've been in anticipation of when you would return. There are no words to adequately describe the pure and untainted love of our Heavenly Father. (laughs) Not only did He give His life to redeem us, but He demonstrated that through uh, to us His eternal love of us by, by calling us His sons. Hallelujah. The pure love of God which is received by His Spirit is the very foundation of our relationship with Him. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Paul further explains the importance of love in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, and I have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Without love, all of these things have no meaning. If love, specifically this agape love, this pure, undefiled love does not run through me, then for what reason am I doing this? For what reason reason am I speaking with the tongues of men and angels? What reason am I using the gift of prophecy? What reason do I have the understanding? What reason do I have faith? What reason could I move mountains? What reason do I give to the poor? What reason would I give my life to be burned? What reason? It's love. It's agape. It's pure love. In closing, in the book of Revelation, the Lord leads John to write write to the seven churches. The Lord noted several good things about the angel of the church in Ephesus. But the one thing the Lord had against them, they forgot their first love. Church, we must hold on to that pure love. And not only hold on to it, but never let it go. Never let it go. If one ever finds that they feel that God's love is lacking in them, they must return to it. The prodigal son thought he had it good. (laughs) But he was missing that love of his father. 
He was missing that care of his father. He, he was missing the, 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 the father's love, which, which encompassed many things of taking care of him and providing for him. You see, there are times where you may feel like you can provide for yourself when the Lord is standing here all along saying, come to me. Come to me. Let me provide for you. Let, let me show you this love. If we love the Lord, we, we will serve Him. If we, if we love the Lord, we will keep His commandments. If we love Jesus, we are willing to do that which pleases Him. Let's stand all over this place. And, and doing which pleases Him requires faith. And faith and love here go hand in hand. So I want us to pray right now. If you need a renewal of His love in you, go ahead and pray and say, Lord, I know that you love me. Go ahead and enter into me right now. Let us pray all over this place. We're coming to a close and we're getting ready for our worship service, but just let us pray for a moment. Jesus, we thank you for your love, which is pure. We thank you for your love, which is untainted. That love which we can only find from you and also that love that we should reflect to others. Lord Jesus, enter into our hearts and renew that within us, Lord God. Lord, renew your love in us. You loved us so much that you gave yourself for us. You sacrificed yourself. You robed yourself in flesh for us and, and dwelt among us, oh God. And then you, you, you hung on that tree for us, Lord Jesus. Oh, that love that is undefiled. That love is pure. And we thank you for it, oh God. We thank you, oh Lord, that, that we can turn to you when everything seems to fall away and you show us that same love, that same consistency love in which we can only find in you. We thank you, Lord. Let's clap our hands to the Lord all over this place. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you back here in about 10 minutes.